Well, hey, friends, and welcome back to The Daily. It's Thursday, March the 25th, 2021. Today, we're going to finish up the main part of 2 Thessalonians, uh, the, the letter, and then tomorrow we'll focus a little bit on just a wrap-up and a benediction. But for today, we're going to hone in on verses 6 through 15 of uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So let me start by reading it to you, and then we'll just have a couple of thoughts. Now, we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked day and night, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. But as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So what I want to focus on today is Paul's talk here about not being idle. Uh, one of the things that this text is is dealing with is this question of what would we do if we thought Jesus was coming back like tomorrow or this week? We believe that Jesus is going to return soon. We, we talk about it, his return being imminent. But what if we knew for a fact Jesus was coming back next week? If we struggle to answer that question... Um, if we struggle to know what to do, whether or not we should continue on with life at all, if Jesus was coming back, then what we're struggling with is what the Bible talks about as uh, calling and vocation. So the word vocation itself comes from the same Latin word uh, as I'm a singer, uh, and so vocals are what we talk about as a musician, as a singer, and that's the same a root word from vocation and calling. So it's something we know of as the calling in life. And this is really at the heart of what's taking place in our passage at the end of Second Thessalonians. This church has had a crisis of some kind over the issue of work and vocation. We're not really sure why this is happening. There's two main arguments as to why this is happening. One is that people thought Jesus was about to return. And so they just kind of sold everything they had, moved up on the, on the side of a mountain and were just waiting for him. And then when he didn't show up, they didn't quite know what to do with their life. Uh, and so the other uh, reason that people may have been doing this is that they had social pressure from the rest of the culture in Thessalonica uh, in what is regarded as a client-patron relationship. And so there would be wealthy people, the patrons, who would provide for those who were not wealthy, the client, if the client did certain tasks. So Paul might have been addressing Christians who were caught, both the client and the patron were Christians, and so because they're both Christians, the wealthy Christian felt this obligation to help the poor Christian, and the poor Christians were beginning to take advantage of this and not living up to their end of the deal. So so we don't know which one of those it is, uh, but we don't have to limit Paul's words to either of those. In fact, the speculations uh, really range beyond these two concerns to other ideas as well. One commentator gives a good summary this way. Was it disdain for work itself because they were people of God's kingdom and thus a cut above needing to work? Was it pressing the gospel of the kingdom a bit too far and expecting or demanding the rich to care for the poor? Was it related to their 
understanding of the last days? Was it an attempt on Paul's part to break up dependencies created by patron-client relationships? Or was it just plain laziness? We simply do not know. And in fact, getting an answer to this particular question would hardly affect our understanding of the text at all. So this uh, commentator is saying, whatever it was, we can still gain some knowledge from this text, no matter what the answer to that is, because the solution is the same no matter which problem we're facing. Paul's providing a theology of work and vocation in this passage, and he's really helping us think about the relationship between work, the benefits that come from it, and its relationship to the uh, health and the peace of the entire community of faith. And so in the middle of this section, there is this obvious issue that's at the surface of this passage, which concerns people who are called in verse 6 and verse 11, people who are walking in idleness. Now that word idleness doesn't simply mean stillness. It means disorderly, unruly. Uh, The King James Version translates verse 6 this way, every brother that walketh disorderly. That's actually a good translation that gets across some of the nuances of the situation going on here. Some of the brothers who walk disorderly are idle, but the word idleness is just too narrow of a definition for the original Greek word. And so we see this in the context. Paul in verse 11 says, We hear that some of you walk in idleness, not being busy at work, but busybodies. So Paul says it's not that they're not working, but it's that they're working at the wrong things. They're running 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They are doing something. It's just they're doing the wrong thing. And what they're doing is actually putting them at odds with the way they're supposed to be walking to please the Lord, which we saw back in 1 Thessalonians 4, as well as with the tradition that's received from Paul, which we see in verse 6. So the the concern in this word idleness, is in verse 6, 7, and 11. And if you study the translation of this particular word, it kind of is very weird. In the King James Version, which we saw earlier, correctly translates 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 with unruly. And then the translation of idleness first appears in 1948, but doesn't have a good reason why it's translated that way. Uh, commentators don't understand why it got translated that way and why idleness is really the word that we have now because it makes us misunderstand this whole text. Context is really important for understanding this. It's important for us to understand that this word doesn't just mean stillness in the sense of laziness. It means out of line. And so a good theology of work and vocation begins in understanding the way God created things to work. God gave... Adam and Eve in the garden, work to do. Ephesians 2 talks about God having works that he has uh, given to us even before we realize it. And so notice what Paul says back here in our text in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone won't work, let him not eat. Where does Paul get this command? This comes from Genesis. Our understanding of work and vocation is rooted really in the story of creation, that God worked and created the world and called it good. And so what does this all mean for us? Well, the issues that the Thessalonian church is facing here that are creating this unruliness are based in a misunderstanding of what God put you on earth to do. That God hasn't put you on earth to just kind of do nothing and and have a meaningless existence. No, he's put you on earth to do 
work. And if you study the book of Genesis, what you'll see is that work existed before sin entered the world. Work existed before it was toil and struggle. That Adam was given work to do for his food. So sin is not the reason we work. A healthy view of work and calling is rooted in a right view of creation. So many times we think of uh, leisure as the ultimate goal of our existence. And this is why so many of us are so unhappy. Because we don't understand that work is actually what God has created us to do. Now it doesn't mean that rest isn't important. God himself rested on the seventh day, but he worked six days. And he gave us this pattern. And so what Paul is addressing here is the unhealth that comes to a group of people, particularly a group of Christian people, who don't understand that part of what God has given them to do is work. Don't grow weary in doing good is an admonition to don't get tired of doing good work. This is what Paul has to say to us. And so this is the way he really he is closing out this letter to this church because he wants them to know that there is good work for you to do that is meaningful, that will bring health and flourishing to the entire church body. And so he's speaking against that here, all the while knowing that if they will actually listen to his words and receive his tradition of working, as he says uh, earlier in chapter 3 and verse 6, that flourishing and health will be part of this community of faith, this church's life together. And this is what God wants for us. God wants for you to have a full and meaningful life, and he's actually created you to do good work. So that means everything you do can have meaning. So I hope that's uh, an encouragement to you today to maybe reframe how you think about work and leisure, that they are not at odds with one another and not at odds with your happiness. In fact, God created you with good works to do in him to bring glory to his name and joy to your life. And so I hope you'll uh, once again join me again tomorrow. We're going to just cover the benediction and just have some closing wrap-up thoughts as we close out the book of 2 Thessalonians. We'll take the weekend off and then we will be back for Holy Week as we kind of look at the last week of the life of Jesus. We'll start with Palm Sunday and work our way through the week until we get to Good Friday. And uh, if you're in the Baltimore area, you're in the Lansdowne area, I would love to invite you to come out to our church building. We have an art display set up on the outside of our building, and you can find all the information you need for that at uh, lansdowne.church. You can find our address there. It's just up whenever you want to come by and take a look at it, Stations of the Cross. Uh, depicted in some really provocative and intriguing artwork. So I want to invite you to check that out, and hopefully you'll be back tomorrow for more of The Daily.